0: You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vino Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. Hey, yo, it's me, it's me, it is Gino V. Mr. Sensational, Gino Vega, coming to you with episode 52, 52 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots radio network. And the sound you may have just heard in the background was the sound of another minute passing on my microwave as I attempt to heat a lunch that I hope to eat at some point. There was a time, there's a time that some of you may recall when on another show I would call in from time to time to announce what I had had for lunch the previous afternoon. And although that segment is no longer with us, I do still eat lunch some days, most days, some days, a good, a good chunk of days. And I'm attempting to do so today. I'm attempting to eat a bowl of something that is known as... I believe it's called Italian Wedding Soup. Now, that name may lead some of the tens and ones to think that the title comes from the fact that it is some sort of dish served in weddings in either the Italian or possibly Italian-American tradition. And that would be a reasonable assumption. Yet, I'm sure there may, among those tens and ones be a subset of the ones of twos, maybe, that are particularly savvy listeners, are particularly detail-oriented rules lawyers who will point out to the rest of the tens of ones that, oh, no, 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 no. Despite your reasonable assumption, you, my friend, are wrong. Because the name of Italian wedding soup comes from, in fact, the idea that the flavors contained therein, therein of the soup marry together to produce the dish, hence Italian wedding soup. But anyway, the po- point of this uh, rant is that pulled the uh, vessel of Italian wedding soup out of the refrigerator because it had been made, prepared previously. Um, and I always know when it comes to soups, when it comes to liquids, when it comes to most things, but in particular liquids here, um, that I would be best served getting a pan or a pot or whatever out of the pantry, pouring it into said pot, and heating it on the stovetop. But when faced with the prospect of unburying a um, pot out of our particularly um, cluttered and organized pantry as it stands right now, Uh, using it to reheat the soup, then having to wash it again later, I end up just... Going the microwave route. And I don't know if I'm just particularly microwave challenged, but microwaves never really do it for me. I, I've, I've put this bowl of soup in the microwave like three different times now for a minute each, and it's as stone cold, give me a hell yeah! Every time uh, that I pull it out um, as it was before it went in, prompting me to want to be like, I'll drop you on that stack of dimes you call a neck, son! But uh, yeah, I don't know what um, the issue is with microwaves. There, there was one time in my life that I was happy with a microwave that I owned, and it was in the last iteration of um, the now sold Sensational Manor, the home that our family occupied in Santa Rosa, California. We remodeled the kitchen at one point, and the contractor who remodeled the kitchen Uh, suggested that we get something called a drawer microwave. And this thing was amazing. This thing was an appliance that literally was like a drawer that would pop out of of the wall. And it was just this big, you know, square tub that you put the thing in, you closed it back up, you microwaved it. And it always seemed to work. And cleaning it out was as easy as just reaching in and wiping it out because there were no, there wasn't that dopey spinning glass plate gimmick that's in all these other, we have this super cheap microwave in our rental house right now. And you got the spinny glass gimmick that's always filthy. and You're having to clean it. And then, like, you go to clean it, but then someone else is mad because they wanted to use the microwave and it's not in there because you're trying to clean it. I don't know. Microwaves, just they've never really done it for me except for that drawer microwave, and I likely will never again in my life own a drawer microwave because we are moving into a new house that does not have one, and um, I don't know that we're moving from there anytime soon. The odds just seem slim that another drawer microwave will enter my life. So... Drawer Microwave at Old Sensational Manor, they reminisce over you. Hopefully the new owners are uh, getting some use out of it. Meanwhile, as we continue on with this episode 52 of the Mr. Sensational Geno Vega podcast, a podcast where we sensationalize the everyday available on your preferred podcast platform, simply search for IC Robots Radio, subscribe to the feed, and you will gain automatic access to all content that the network has to offer. As I sit here recording this episode 52, and I may have said 51 earlier, and if I did, I apologize. This is, in fact, episode 52. I can't keep straight what I said earlier, though, but I feel like I may have said 51. Um, As I I, I sit here, I look at the clock. I'm now minutes away, about six minutes away from the beginning of a delivery window today, a four-hour delivery window in which, at any point during that four hours, I will be alerted that a delivery driver is a half an hour away from delivering a new refrigerator to our house here in Napa, California. A refrigerator that will not be used in this particular home. A refrigerator that will go directly into the garage and stay in its box and then be moved to the new Sensational Manor once it is finally constructed. Supposedly now, uh, move-in will be at the end of October, but... God only knows, um, but anyway, we wanted to get a jump on the refrigerator because supposedly, according to the to the narrative out there, it's very hard to get appliances and supply chains are all backed up. Uh, this one we ordered it and it came like a week later, so I guess I guess we could have waited, but now at least we have it here. Um, but I don't know, there there there's something wrong with me. I mean, obviously, but but in particular, uh, I have this issue with these delivery windows, so. I have felt four hours to wait here to find out that someone is basically dropping off something here that all I need to do is go out and open the garage door to receive, but I get very... Tense during the delivery window and it makes me feel like I can't really accomplish anything else during the day and I sit here thinking about it and stressing on it and uh, what am I supposed to say to this individual and uh, how should I act and uh, will I open the door correctly and this, that, and the third and it's like, why do I even care? I feel like most uh, belligerent folks out there would just be like, why weren't you here 30 minutes earlier? And just like, put it over there! But I, but you know, me, I, I just, I get worked up into this neurotic frenzy and I worry that I'm going to offend this this individual Individual and, uh, so on and so forth. I think that the answer is probably not going full belligerent customer, but maybe just kind of maybe channeling like one, one drop of the belligerent, the average belligerent Americans, belligerents, um, and lack of self-awareness and self-reflection, just a, just a drop, just a taste, and melding it with my over-reflectiveness, and then maybe I can have a more serene delivery window experience, but we shall see. I don't. It's like that with everything, like, oh man, they're just having people over, trades people to fix stuff, anything like that. It's like, you know, I should be like, hey, hey, pal, I'm paying you, okay? you You get over there and you do X, Y, or Z, but instead I'm like, uh just trying to hide from the dude and like, you know, uh say there's like some some Japanese wrestling I want to watch. I, I'm like afraid to put it on because I'm figured it's gonna be awkward that I'm sitting here watching something absurd while while this individual is just like killing themselves working. But I I don't know. Again, I, I don't I, I shouldn't say why should I care? Because I think it is okay to have some respect for others, some empathy for others, but at the same time, let's not go crazy, Gino Vega. Let, let's reel it in, let's dial it back just just a little bit, A little bit. Um with that said, we're going to take a break, and we're going to go on to the main event of the evening, five rounds in the heavyweight division of uh, the Mr. Sensational Gina Vega podcast. We're going to talk about my recent trip to Disneyland in Anaheim, California, when we return on the Mr. Sensational Regina Vega podcast on the IC Robots radio network. Were you successful at recording a visual assessment of Sensational manner? Yes, Lord Tomy. I presented myself as a courier from Pootronics Logistics. I deactivated the actual courier on its way to make a delivery and was able to assess the property. Squawk. Skrill or Cube. Squawk. Your processing sounds like it needs an adjustment. See to it immediately after uploading the footage. My plan proceeds as it must and as it shall. For I am Tommy, the atomic-powered robot, and vengeance will be mine. Hey everybody, we are back here on the Mr. Sensational Geno Vega Podcast, episode 52, coming to you directly from the IC Robots Radio Network. Speaking of, if you haven't already, please be sure to be checking out every episode of of the world's famous IC Robots show dropping pretty much every Monday uh, without fail. Well, you know, once in a while our guy has got to take a little recharge break, but for the most part, um, Mondays is World's Famous IC Robots Radio Day. So, once again, go over to your preferred podcast platform, search up IC Robots Radio, subscribe to the feed, and all of this scintillating content will be yours. Now, we are going to talk about a recent trip I took to Anaheim, California, uh, down in the southern part of the state of California, in which I live. I live in the northern quadrant. Going down to the Southlands, to Anaheim, California, to kick back for a couple of days at, as they call it, the Disneyland Resort. I was flying the resort resort moniker. A little bit iffy when it comes to Disneyland because I sort of picture, I I don't know that I've ever been to a, well, I have been to a resort because Disneyland bills itself as a resort. But, you know, a, a resort resort, you know, like not an amusement park resort, but like, you know, the resort in my mind is like you're sitting around, you know, reclining, kind of beach chair, drinking alcoholic drinks and eating foods that are being brought to you and you're not getting up and maybe you're reading a book or you're reading comic books, or you're kicking back, or you're watching some Japanese wrestling on the iPad, I don't know, whatever floats your boat, uh, but resort in my mind conjures an image of sitting around and not doing anything, where Disneyland is the 180 degree opposite of doing nothing, you are constantly waiting in a line, walking here and there, expending energy. You get quite a bit of a workout at the old Disneyland Resort. So again, I don't know if, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look up the textbook definition of resort. But resort in my mind is not necessarily Disneyland. That being said, that's no knock on Disneyland because when I am going to Disneyland, when the Sensational Family is going to Disneyland, we're not going there for that resort-type experience. We're going there for a manic festival of sights, sounds, thrills, chills, so on and so forth. Uh, let me let me dial it back a little bit. Um, when I was a kid, growing up in California, so Disneyland was always at least, you know, at, at most like six to eight hours away, sometimes closer depending on where I lived at different times in my life. Um, so I, I was a kid, a California kid. Going to Disneyland was definitely an option on the table, but it was not something that happened very often in my childhood. I think I went, went three times in my childhood. I went once when I was pretty young, like five years old. I went another time when I was in elementary school. Um, I, wow, for a second, I almost thought that that creepy career from episode 51 was at the door, but it was just UPS, false alarm. Uh, a very uncreepy career. I'm not sure what the individual is leaving. But in any case, uh, so when another time, I, I, maybe I was like nine, maybe a little bit older. I don't remember. Uh, a friend of mine, his mom took us down to the San Diego Comic Book Convention. So quite a haul. We drove down from Santa Rosa, California, all the way down to San Diego, which is like probably like an eight hour drive, I think. Um, but this was in the day when San Diego Comic Book Convention was basically... A bunch of card tables with long boxes full of back issues on them from various comic book stores throughout the state. And a few writers and artists were there to disinterestedly sign autographs to annoying little kids. But anyway, part of that trip is we visited a friend of the mom's in the Anaheim area and we spent a day at the Disneyland Resort. So that was the second time I went to Disneyland. And then a third time, we went one other time as a family when I was probably like 12. And, um... That particular visit, they were doing a gimmick where I think it was like a some anniversary of Disneyland, some anniversary year. And they were doing a gimmick that when every X person that walked through the gate was uh, put into a raffle to win a car. And the car was a Geo Metro, if I recall correctly. And my name got called. My card got pulled. Um, did I win a Geo Metro? No, I did not. I won a Mickey Mouse wristwatch, which I wore faithfully for many years until, um, at one point when I was on tour with my band, the Invalids, we were in Hawaii. We were playing shows in Hawaii as part of a tour. Uh, we were spending the day hanging out with some local Hawaiian people, uh, people that lived there that were kind of showing us the sights, showing us around. They took us out for a hike, And I left the watch in a bag in the back of the car. And when we returned to our car, someone had like smashed open the car and stolen everything inside. And there was really nothing of value in there except for my Mickey Mouse watch, which was not of any monetary value, but it was was a personal accoutrement of mine that I expected. I would still have to this day and still probably be wearing to this day had it not been stolen by some thief in the state of Hawaii. So if anyone sees that thief, lock him up. Lock him up. He took my watch. Now, I have no hard feelings. I'm sure sure he needed the five bucks that the watch uh, netted more than I needed the memories. And I still have the memories. So, hey, who's the winner now? Uh, Stick with uh, Mr. Sensational and you're going to get tired of winning. So, I was vaguely familiar with Disneyland, but not super familiar. Not super attached to it or anything. But then, when Ms. S and I had kids, for some reason we decided to take them down there. I think we had other call to go down to Southern California. And we decided, we got these little kids now. It seems kind of obligatory to do a Disneyland trip. And this was when uh, Miss 1, our oldest daughter, was probably like four. And Miss 2 was not even a year old yet. She was a little baby. And we just absolutely dug it down there. We just had a great time. And so... We're certainly not like regular, you know, we're not these like Disney freaks that go like every year or multiple times a year or anything like that. But we have gone a handful of times of the year. It is one place that our family has chosen when we're going to blow some dough on a trip. Uh, More often than not, it has been Disneyland over uh, the course of the years because it's not it's it's far enough away that you feel like you're getting away. But it's not that hard to just zip down there. And we always pick like weird off times to go for the most part. So it's not particularly crazy. And, yeah, it's like a, a money pit, but, I mean, that's, that's life, I guess. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, I, I have actually accidentally and not uh, meaning to become a bit of a Disneyland aficionado um, as time has gone by. Now, we're talking strictly the OG uh, Disneyland park. We're not talking about Disney World in Florida. Have never been to Disney World in Florida, will likely never be to Disney World in Florida. No hate on Florida, no shade on Florida, but it's literally on the other side of the country from where I live, like is opposite, you know, you could possibly be. And it's just way easier for me to go a few hours south instead of like, you know, multi-hours uh plane ride, trek, whatever, to the other side of the country. Uh, I I realize it's a much bigger place with a lot more going on. I'm cool with the OG uh, uh, birthplace where it all began, where it all went down. Um, Disneyland versus World. So let me give you a couple uh, uh, thoughts, reviews, and uh, takes from the current state of Disneyland in 2021. Um, as you can imagine, Disneyland was closed for a while during the pandemic. I'm pretty sure Disney World was just like up and running the whole time. But Disneyland, you know, were a bunch of crazy... Uh, crazy tyrannical liberals out in California shut things down for a while. They're they're trying to destroy the economy as part of a, a grand conspiracy because somehow it's it's in the great state's interest for no one to be making money. Um, but anyway, it, it, freedom reigned and it's 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 opening again. I'm being I'm being facetious in case anyone uh, wonders. But uh, um, no, just it, it, uh, I think you would have to be. How can I put it? I... I am certainly not the world's most phobic person about anything, but I don't see how in good faith you could have thought it, it didn't make sense to kind of like, he hit, hit, hit a little pause at the height of the pre vaccine pandemic era. I, I I just don't see that almost seems quote unquote conservative to me that you would, you would tread just a, just a little bit judiciously, just a little bit cautiously, instead of just like just letting it all hang out and, and running around screaming and yelling and, uh, buck wilding as it were when no one really knew what was going on whatever a, a dead topic Disneyland is open again I went down there and it was kind of weird timing because I went down there all like oh I've got my vaccine I can do whatever I want freedom yes um but then it, right as I got down there is when they were starting to like unleash all these horror stories about vaccinated people all dropping like flies and like my mom's neighbor was on a ventilator fully vaccinated after a trip to Mexico. So I was like, oh God, should we really be doing this? But now, whatever, we did it. We were fine. Nothing happened. Um, So basically the Disneyland scene is a little bit different now. Um, In years past, there was a system known as the Max Pass system where in order to kind of make the most of not having to wait in line for your entire trip, you'd pick out popular rides you wanted to go to. You would get something called a Max Pass, which was like basically... Um, you now have more or less a reservation to come back to this ride in four hours, and you have a window from like, I don't know, two to three, let's say, PM. Uh, not that it's always two to three. I just say I got a max pass, and my window is two to three PM. I come back there at two, between two and three, and I get to go in this shorter line for max pass people. Uh, and go on the ride. But you, you can only have like a certain amount for a certain amount. Of time. Uh, there, I'm sure it all works out mathematically. I'm sure you could get someone like Engineer Nerd on here to explain queuing theory and everything. I don't know. I just signed up for a MaxPass for whatever ride I wanted to go on to that was available and then waited till I was available able to do another one, got another one. But I know there's a whole formula for how it worked out. MaxPass system is a thing of the past for now because now in order to go to Disneyland with the whole pandemic era thing still sort of out there is you make reservations and so I think at any given time there are less people in the parks So back to just having to wait it out in line. And for the most part, I didn't wait in line for more than like 30 minutes for anything on this last visit, which for if you've been to Disneyland, that's not a bad wait time for uh, popular rides. Um, there's also a gimmick with some of the popular rides where you can stand in something called a single rider line. So say you're with all your buddies and your family members, but you know, guys don't necessarily care about sitting next to each other on the ride. You can go into the single rider line and you were not sitting next to the people you're with. Cause they're, it's like They're waiting for like odd numbers of seats. Like say there was a party of three and there's one extra seat that someone can fit onto on a ride. They wave over someone from the single rider line. So you can go to a ride where the regular line is like 75 minutes long and literally pretty much walk on to single rider lines. Now the catch is, it doesn't extend to every single ride. I didn't get to go on Guardians of the Galaxy this time, one of my favorite rides because I'm the only person in our family that likes it. And the wait was at any given time, like 75 minutes long. And I didn't want to just wait by myself. Had there been a single rider uh, line for that ride, I would have done it. But see, the thing with that ride is you're just a big mob of people inside of this box that basically drops from the sky, if you've ever been on that ride. Um, so there's no real way. The single rider doesn't make sense. It's not like a roller coaster where there's like four seats to a car or whatever. In any case, we spent two days there on this most recent trip. Uh, in the past, when the kids were younger, we would sometimes do... Three-day Disney excursions. Nowadays that they're older, we can pretty much see and accomplish everything we want to do in two days. There's it's really excessive to be there longer than that. And this is two days um with one day having tickets for the main Disneyland, original Disneyland theme park, and the second day having tickets for the newer California Adventure Park, which neighbors the original Disney park Um, again in the past with longer visits, we used to sometimes uh, get the park hopper tickets where you can go back and forth. But with kids being as old as they are, not needing to take breaks and naps and all that stuff, you'd pretty much just go one day, see everything at the main Disneyland park, second day, see everything at California adventure. And both days we were able to actually lap both parks. Like we were doing stuff for second and third times around. So two days with one day in each park for our family situation is perfect. Um, it's always funny with Disneyland, you kind of like ease into this flow where you're just like being like funneled around in this continuum of bodies as people kind of walk from ride to ride, line to line. And you start to, it's kind of similar to when I've been to Las Vegas in the past, you start seeing familiar faces because you're on similar circuits. You know, you're, you're seeing the same sights. you're walking to the same places, you're waiting in the same lines. You start to recognize some of the people that are there on the same um, visiting cycle that you are. Um, and with Disneyland, it's funny because in the past, sometimes I've seen sort of pseudo celebrity people that I recognize and we end up on the same circuit. And you're like, why does that person look familiar? And then you're like, oh yeah. saw this couple once, um, the, the first time we took the kids to Disneyland, I kept seeing this one couple in line with us and I couldn't figure out why they looked so familiar. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. They were a couple from an early season of the reality show, the amazing race where the dude was basically like verbally and emotionally abusive to the uh, wife or partner or whatever she was to him. And here they were at Disneyland years later. So they were still, and he was yelling at her while they were uh, walking around. So uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Another time we kept ending up in the same line as, um, you guys know this writer Michael Chabone? He did that Cavalier and Clay novel. I can't imagine there's a lot of hardcore literati out there in the Vegaverse, but because of the comic book crossover. Maybe some people are familiar with Michael Chabon. Uh, I knew who he was because uh, when he was a new up-and-coming writer, I was working at a bookstore and I would shelve his books and I would see his picture on the back of the cover. And then years later when I was living in Oakland, we would uh, go out to dinner um, at this Mexican restaurant in Berkeley. And I would always see him there. And again, I'd see him It's like, I see a person whose face looks so familiar to me. Like I've seen it a million times before. Why? And then I realized, Oh, it's Michael Chabon. And I just it's, never read a book. The man wrote in my life. Uh, I simply know his face from, from the working at crown bookstore and shelving his books. Anyway, there he was in line for Peter Pan. We kept, we were kind of on the same circuit of rides. That was another time. Another time I saw, we kept seeing from a distance. Um, my evil former sister-in-law's mother. Who I don't even know. I just know who she is. We kept seeing her around. That was that was that was good times. Um, but uh, this time, didn't see anyone I knew. But again, got, fell into that pattern. And um, I sort of had this uh, nemesis crew, at least in my mind, that we kept crossing paths with. And it was a group of um, like six thug lug looking. Jake Paul looking guys like young guys that all had that weird Jake Paul like really blonde hair kind of poofy blonde hair one of them the hair was so curly it looked like a carpet on his head like one had a visor and they're all wearing the kind of like you know Hawaiian shirts and visors and just kind of like blonde Jake Paul bro YouTuber looking guys And they were with this kind of smirky older guy. And by older guy, I mean, he was like my age. These guys were probably like in their late teens. This guy was like in his 40s. What I think it was is I think it was like a team. I think it was like some sports dudes and their coach. But um, while most people were able to deal with big boy rules and could handle the fact that on certain rides they wanted you to wear masks, these guys kept making a huge deal about not wanting to wear their masks to the point that when I was on the haunted house ride with this crew, the freaking ride got shut down because they wouldn't freaking put on their masks. So, Excuse me, please wear your masks at all time. And the ride came to a halt. And then they, were, and then they put them on. And then when they uh, uh, got off, like one of them made this huge show of tearing off the mask and just like shaking out his blonde mane. And it was just like, this just in, mutants invade Anaheim. But anyway, yeah, so I kept crossing paths with those guys, crossed paths with them at Space Mountain. Uh, But it's always kind of fun to have a little like have a have a line nemesis at Disneyland. Again, this is all in my own mind. I'm just sitting there like I didn't say anything to these guys. I'm just seeing them in my mind. We're like doing battle and 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 having it having it out and uh, yeah. But instead, I'm just standing there in line, kind of looking at my phone, waiting to get on Space Mountain. Um, Let me do some quick hits. Uh, What what's good at Disneyland these days? What what's good at California Adventure? So. Over at Disneyland, Uh, we started off our day there. Um, First ride we wanted to go on to was Pirates of the Caribbean, an all-time classic. Uh, It's been messed with in some sort of whack ways over the years. I wasn't feeling the addition of like the Johnny Depp stuff. I mean, that's so long ago, though. I'm over it at this point. I, I, I accept it. Um, but then they've, they've kind of tried to dumb down the pirates and I don't want to sound like a mutant. I don't want to sound like an acolyte of Mr. Trump. It's like, dude, it's a ride about pirates. It's okay for them to be kind of like creepy and human trafficking. they are pirates, but they sort of took out, like there's a part where they're like auctioning off some woman or something. And now it, it's, the voices have been changed. <laughs> they're like s- trying to sell like a bottle of alcohol or something. I don't know. It's silly, but, uh, <laughs> it's pirates. Um, but uh, anyway, Pirates of the Caribbean, that was great. All, always a good time. Really funny because that area was getting mobbed because people wanted to go on that dopey jungle cruise ride, um, which I haven't been on. I don't think I've ever been on because it's just, it's like some dopey, like you're just on a little boat, nothing really happens. But there's now some movie gimmick, some jungle cruise movie with The Rock. So because that had either just come out or was about to come out, people were mobbing that ride. Like, it was, like, super popular. And it's not like it's been, like, revamped. It's not like The Rock was there. It was just like, as a friend of mine once said, one day I was sitting in my friend's apartment in Oakland, California, and we were watching TV. I think we were watching a football game or something, and a commercial came on, the very first commercial either of us had ever seen, for the original Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And to quote my friend, looked at the TV, looked at me, looked at the TV and then said in full incredulousness, they made a movie out of a ride? And uh, I think that every time um, I see another movie made out of a ride, and then when people are mobbing a ride that a movie was made out of, I think, they made a movie out of a ride? Um, And indeed they did, and Jungle Cruise is soaring into the stratosphere of popularity now. Um... Hit all the classics, uh, Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, um, excellent. That, that was my gateway to roller coasters. When I was younger, I thought I didn't like roller coasters, and then I thought, you know, this is Disneyland, nothing here can be that freaky, and I went on Big Thunder Mountain and it was like so much fun, and I've, I'll go on pretty much any roller coaster now, moving forward. Um, Space Mountain, always great. Um, what else in the main park is good? In the main park, you must go over to the Tiki area, and you must get a, um, what do they call this, a Dole Whip. It's like a Dole uh, pineapple a frozen treat. If you have not had a Dole Whip, you must have a Dole Whip. It, it's the best culinary thing at Disneyland, I believe. And you can find them sometimes outside of Disneyland. I found them in an amusement park in San Diego. There was a frozen yogurt place here that's now since closed down in Napa that had Dole Whips. But there's just something great about sitting in that tiki area at Disneyland, having a Dole Whip. I used, I normally try to have like three to five. I only had one on this trip because we meant to go back Later in the evening, and the stand had already closed down. Um, I will say in the main park, one area that has kind of become very sad is Tomorrowland. Because everything that made Tomorrowland great has sort of moved on. Um, Oh, we'll get to Star Wars in a moment. But, um, you know, Star Tours, the Star Wars ride used to be a big... Uh, Keystone of Tomorrowland But now there's actually A Star Wars area A new area In the Disneyland Park So Star Wars is sad And Star Tours Is sad and old and forgotten And there's not really Anything else going on In that section right now So I think we need A a Make Tomorrowland Great Again campaign Or something You know uh, uh, Kick all those Toy Story aliens Out of there (laughs) And uh, build a wall Uh, And then maybe We'll get back To how it was before When it was just uh, Just droids Only droids only Droid supremacy In Tomorrowland Get the, get those Toy Story aliens out of Pizza Port, you know. Um, I did have a slice of pizza at that place, or P- Pizza Planet. It's now called. It was Pizza Port, now Pizza Planet, because they let those Toy Story aliens in. Um, make Tomorrowland great again. The Star Wars area is tremendous. You may know, as listeners of this show, I am not a fan of Star Wars. Not because I it, it's not it, it's with no malice in my heart. It's with no contempt. I just Star Wars doesn't has never really connected with me on a significant emotional level. It did, again, I, it did, I loved the Kenner toys when I was a kid, but it didn't really stick with me moving on in life. I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm going back, I'm trying to watch some Clone Wars, um, try, trying to dip a toe back in, working my way towards maybe seeing what all the hubbub is about with The Mandalorian. But that being said, it does not matter if you like Star Wars or not. The Star Wars land in Disneyland. I don't know what it's actually called what the official name for it is, but it's, it's tremendous. It's phenomenal. It's made to look like, and again, I don't, I have not seen any of the recent movies. I don't know if it's still Tatooine, but it kind of has that desert. It, it looks like a city in a desert, whatever place that must be in star, star Wars, I guess it's Tatooine. Right. Um, and, uh, there's like a bar you can go into there, which we didn't go to this time because you have to make reservations, but we went, a time before, and that's kind of fun because you can drink like Star Wars themed cocktails, and there's like type band and all that. Although it's not the original Cantina. it's from one of the newer movies. I think I don't know. It's kind of awkward because the employees act like they're in Star Wars, and they'll go up to you and they'll talk to you about stuff that's like from the movies. Like you know, I don't know. They they act like they're in character, but since none of us in our family have seen the recent movies, it's just kind of like, oh, I don't, I understand what you're trying to do, but I don't know, man. Where's Lando Calrissian at? Uh, show me something I, I do know, but anyway, um, there are two rides in that section. One I'd been on once before, and it's okay. You're like in, you're in the Millennium Falcon, and like some people in the ride get to pilot it, some people get to be gunners, and some people are like the dopey engineers, that like shoot out an anchor and try to catch a, a crates or something. It's kind of like, it's a, it, it's basically like a modernized Star Tours. You're you're like in a moving vehicle in front of a screen that makes it look like you're flying through the air and careening down and stuff, and it, it's fun. It's fun, but. The showpiece ride in the Star Wars area is um, Rise of the Resistance, this new ride. The last time I was there, I was unable to get on it. This time, I was able to secure our family a spot on the ride. You have to, like, at 7 a.m., really quick, get on this app and uh, make a reservation. And then, like, six hours later, you're able to have the privilege to then wait in line to then get on the ride. But that ride is phenomenal. Phenomenal. As someone who knows nothing about modern Star Wars and doesn't like Star Wars, I loved it. I can only imagine what a Star Wars fan would think, and I do not want to spoil this ride for you. But I just want to tell you that um, there's a lot of in character stuff happening on the part of the employees in that ride, and that ride involves um, being detained by Imperials. So it's a very interesting, very interactive ride. And and I, God, I'd love to tell you everything, but I also part of the fun of that ride is. Um, getting to experience it for the first time yourself. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, one funny thing did happen though, because I will just, just, a little spoiler. There are Disney employees who are acting like Imperial troops or whatever, berating you and yelling at you. And at one point there is this like, Child in a wheelchair that needed assistance getting on the ride, and it was so awkward watching them try to to walk the fine line of just being total imperial jerks, but also help this kid get on the ride. That was, that was something else again. Um, but props to Disney because it just just top notch stuff, folks. This has gone long, and I want to talk a little bit more about um, Disney about California Adventure. You know what? We will round it out next time. I will I will tell you about what I did at the California Adventure theme park. But the takeaway here: should you be fortunate enough to book a trip down to Disneyland, get yourself on Rise of the Resistance, get on that app at 7 a.m. and secure your spot. It is totally worth it. And you don't even have to do anything. You secure the spot and then they page you like when it's time to go wait in line. And I don't even think the line for that wasn't that long. Like once we uh, actually got, you know, paged and it was our time to get over there. So Rise of the Resistance, get yourself Dole Whip and everything else is gravy we will be back next time with episode 53 of the Mr. Sensational Geno Vega Podcast on the ICU Robots Radio Network. Until then, it's me, it's me, it's Gino V signing off.